I had somebody ask me an interesting question this week. And they asked me this question. They said, they said, Pastor, have you ever been around somebody who walks with a, who walks with a, a strong anointing, with, who walks with an amazing anointing? And, uh, and I pondered that for a moment. And I find it interesting <clears throat> what we consider to be uh, anointing, right? What we consider to be anointing, we consider uh, anointing to be somebody who can create a, a highly emotion-filled environment. And yet, here's what we know. We know this, that there are those who are, who are anointed to produce. There are some of you that are here today that you're called into business and God has given you an anointing to produce. And he's done so because what God wants to do is God wants to flow resource through you to kingdom work. I, I want you to understand that that is not a greater anointing or a lesser anointing. It's a, it's a valuable, it's, a, it's an important anointing. There are some of you that are here this morning and you have a, you have a heart for intercession. You're a, you're a prayer warrior. You, you, you are drawn every day to spend time, extended time, praying. Praying for your family, praying for loved ones, praying for your church, praying for your pastors. I know that, that's a priority for you. Uh, praying for your nation. Okay? And, and, and that's, a, that's a powerful and it's a rich anointing. It's, and it's not a greater anointing or a lesser anointing. There are some of you that you are, you are passionate evangelists. Right? You go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. We have, listen, we have, a, we have a, a, a senior saint in our church who speaks at best broken English. But she is passionate and she gives away invite cards inviting people to Calvary by the hundreds. By the hundreds. She's out, she's out at the mall at least two times every week, just talking to people about Jesus, giving them invite cards and praying for them. And she, she walks with a rich anointing. She, she lives with a powerful anointing. This, this life that God has called us to, understand this, it is more than an emotional chill or a spiritual thrill. And, and I want you to understand and I want you to appreciate the power of God and the presence of God in your life. And I want you to understand and appreciate the anointing that he has you to walk in. Right? And there are, there, there are different types of gifts, but there's the same Lord. There are different types of expressions, but it is the same anointing. It's the dynamic presence of a living God inside of you and moving through you to bless you and impact your world. Amen? So this morning, I, I want to unpack that a little bit. I, I want to talk to you. Uh, really, this morning is a prelude to a series that I'm going to start in two weeks entitled Doors. And, and, and I, I want to I talk to you about that. Jesus said that in, in Revelation, the third chapter, he says this to the church at Laodicea. He says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. It is God's desire. God comes to you. He comes to your doorstep. And he knocks. There's a, there a book out uh, a number of years ago uh, that, that got a lot of attention, a lot of acclaim in the Christian community. Uh, and it was called the, the God Chasers. And it talked about chasing after God. And, and, and while in theory that's a great idea, 
I did not like the title of the book. I didn't like, did not like the idea of the principle of the God chasing because I don't have to chase after God. He is not running away from me. And, 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 and please understand, if you're here and you're a big fan of that book, I, I, I don't, don't email me. Don't, I, I get it, okay? It was a great book, uh, and I, I acknowledge that. But, that, but I, I did struggle a little bit with that idea of feeling like I had to chase after God. I don't have to chase after God because God runs to me. Let me say that again. I don't have to chase after God because God runs to me. God comes to me over and over again. God comes to man. And the life that God wants us to live and the, the destiny that he wants us to embrace uh, is, is, is significant. Okay? And, and uh, let, me, let me illustrate that to you. Well, first, let me talk to you about uh, the, 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 general, the general wants, the general desires of mankind. Right? Here's what we want. We all, want to, we all want to make a decent living, right? We want to make a good living. Uh, we'd like to achieve some level of success. We'd like to be effective in what we do. Uh, we'd like to have uh, some degree of significance that our, that our name means something. Uh, and we, we want to be able to function well relationally, right? Have, have strong relationships, have great friendships. Isn't that really, I mean, for the most part... Don't get over spiritual on me, okay? And give me, you know, no, I, I want to honor, I, I get that. I'll get to that. Okay? But in the natural, if you're not sitting in a church sanctuary, if you're just talking to a buddy at work, right? If you're talking about a friend uh, over, over coffee, here's what people want. They, they want to make a decent living. They, they want to have some degree of success. They, they, they want to do something that matters, right? Have some significance in their life and have great relationships. Once you take your Bibles, once you turn to Genesis, the 12th chapter. In Genesis chapter 12, we're introduced to, to, to Abram, who becomes Abraham. Right? And Abraham is the father of faith. And here's what, here's what God speaks to Abraham. And through faith, communicates to us. Four different times, God says here in, in Genesis chapter 12, He says to Abraham, I will. And here's what he says. He says to Abraham, Abraham, I will make sure that you have a good living. Abraham, I will make sure that you enjoy success. Abraham, I will give you significance. Abraham, I will forge relationships for you. Okay, And this, this father of faith, the father of our faith, Abraham, God's response to Abraham and his challenge to him, it speaks to us today and it speaks to what God has for us. Okay, notice this in, in Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, that the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Okay, so the first thing that he says is this. He says, I want you to go to the land that I will show you. I want you to, I, I, I will show you that land. It's a land, it's, a, it's the promised land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And so God speaks to him and says, listen, I'm going to give you good living. I'm going I'm to give you good land. I, I will show you the land. And then he goes on and he says this. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make you into a great nation. I will, I will give you, I will give you success. Right? Then he says, I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. 
First, he says to Abraham, listen, I'm going to provide for you to where you can live your life with provision. And not just with provision, that you can live your life with abundance. Not only am I going to give you abundance, but I'm going to put you in a place where you will be blessed. Right? You're going to, you're going to see success. But not only am I going to give you success, I'm going to give you significance because I'm going to make you a nation. I'm going to make, uh, uh, I'm going to make you a blessing, rather. I'm going to make your name great, and I will make you a blessing. And then finally, he says this. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What, what, what we see God speak to Abraham, it's the desire of mankind. It's the life that he offers to us. It's, it's the faith journey that he has for us. It's the spiritual life. And spiritual life is not disconnected from the natural life. It's not disconnected from the, the rest of life. The spiritual life, it is central to all of life. It is core. And, and, and when we are spiritually healthy, when people are spiritually healthy, it affects the way that they live. And here's what God wants to bring to you, friend. I, I want you to grasp this. Okay? This is, this is, not, this is not chasing after worldly things. This is, this is, this is not uh, embracing an unhealthy prosperity theology, but it is understanding what God wants to do for you, his child, what God wants to do for us, his children. I will. I will, I will, I will. I will lead you into the land that I have promised you. I will lead you into prosperity. I will lead you into provision. God wants to meet your needs and not just meet your needs. God wants you to function where you've got margin as it relates to resource. It's the reason why we will regularly, here at Calvary, we will regularly talk to you about principles of stewardship. Not because we're trying to get into your pocketbook, because, but because what we have found is this, is we have found that the principles of, principles of God work. And when we follow God's principles, when we take a spiritual approach to how we handle resource, what happens is this, is God moves in a wonderful and a profound way and we are blessed in the area of our resource when we take a spiritual approach to it. And, and not an economic approach to it. Right? It's the reason why. I love what Pastor Sheikh said this morning as he stood here and, and, and introduced our time of worship through giving. And he said this, that we bring our offerings and God's tithe. And, and when we're obedient to that, what happens is this, is God opens up opportunities of blessing. But what is that? What is that issue when we operate in the tithe? It's a demonstration of faith. And who is Abraham? Abraham is the father of faith. And so we walk in that. We, we live in that faith. But it, 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 it's not just about that. He says, I, I, will, I will send you into the land that I promise you. I will show you the land to go. Right? But then he continues to go on and he says this. And I will make you into a great nation. That, 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 that walking and success, and, and walking in significance, and, and walking in relational health. It's, it's the plan of man, and it's the plan of man, uh, or it's the plan of God. And it's not just the plan of God for, for, for Abram, for Abraham, it's the plan of God for us. 
Whether or not we see that is really determined by how we position ourselves spiritually. And, and that's, that's, what I want, that's what I want to focus on for the next about a month and a half. I want to focus on how we, how we position ourselves spiritually. Because the condition of our spiritual life influences. It influences making a good living. It influences seeing success. It influences living with significance. It affects every relationship. Because you've heard me say this over and over again. The key to healthy relationships is making sure that our vertical relationship is strong. Because when our vertical relationship is strong, our relationship between us and God, when that vertical relationship is strong, our horizontal relationships work out great. But horizontal relationships do not work if your vertical relationship isn't healthy. And here's where the vertical relationship starts. And and here's where I I, want to start as we begin to talk about this over the next six weeks. I want to talk to you about your prayer life. I want to talk to you about your prayer life. Prayer is more than now I lay me down to sleep and God's neat, let's eat. And, and God wants us to walk in, in that. He wants us to walk in, in, in more than that. But prayer is also, it's, it's profoundly simplistic. Jesus addresses the issue of prayer in, 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 in Matthew chapter 6. And, and I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to go over, just over there for a few minutes uh, in your Bible. And here's, here's what you'll find. In Matthew 6, Jesus says this. But when you pray. I love that. But when you pray. And what I, what I want to do is this. I want to show you Jesus' path for answered prayer this morning. And, uh, and the, the, my, my Abraham comments were really a setup for the main thing that I want you to grasp today. I, I want you to know that God wants you to, to, to walk with provision, that he wants you to experience success, that he wants you to live a life of significance, and he wants you to have strong relationships. But where that starts is it starts, all of that starts with the right faith relationship with God. And that faith relationship with God starts with an understanding on how we communicate with him, how we talk with him, and how he talks with us. And that's the reason why this issue of understanding prayer is so very important. Because here's what I have found. I have found this, that while I have yet to meet a Christ follower who doesn't understand the importance of prayer, I am shocked that over 70% of Christ followers do not have a daily prayer time. I'm not here, I'm not here to put you on blast. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to tell you that this is a powerful thing that we have to embrace in. It is amazing to me that churches, that the least attended things that churches do are their prayer gatherings. Something's wrong with that. I will tell you this. We have a, we have a building here on Calvary's campus that is dedicated to prayer. Our prayer center. There should not be a day that goes by that that does not see a steady stream of people flowing through it. 
And it is open. It is unlocked and available to you seven days a week. We have a, we have a, we have a, a group of people that meet every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. to pray, to pray for what happens here in this service. And can I tell you that what happens here in this service is impacted profoundly by that group that prays. That should be one of the biggest events that happens at Calvary. That should be a priority of your, uh, of your time. You know what? You can turn off the television a little bit earlier on Saturday night to where you can be here a little bit earlier on Sunday morning to, to, to get on your face and spend time with God and see God move in a profound way. Now, I know I've gone from preaching to meddling, but that's pretty good. Come on now. That's not bad, right? So let, let's talk about Jesus' path for answered prayer. And we see it there. It's very simple. This is, there's, there, there's nothing profound about this, but I believe that it's highly practical. J- Jesus says this in, in Matthew 6. He says, But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who, who sees in secret will reward you openly. So the first thing that I want you to understand is this issue of praying secretly. And, and praying secretly doesn't mean that we're supposed to pray covertly. Really what it means is this. It means that prayer is not to be performance. That prayer is supposed to have some degree of, of, of intimacy to it. Some degree of divine connection with an almighty God. Because here's what we know. Listen, Jesus didn't just pray privately. Right? And we have examples of that. Jesus didn't just pray privately. When Jesus prays for Lazarus to come forth, Jesus prays a public prayer. When Jesus prays over those who are crucifying him, he prays a public prayer. Over and over again, throughout Jesus' earthly ministry, we see Jesus praying public prayer. So there's nothing wrong, there's nothing inappropriate about a public expression of prayer. However, that public expression of prayer and rote expressions of prayer should not dominate our prayer journey. In fact, what should be the priority in our prayer life is those times that we take alone with God. Scripture tells us this over and over again. It says this, that Jesus withdrew. Jesus often withdrew to a solitary place. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Luke chapter 1, Jesus is in, is in Capernaum. And it tells us this, that there's a lot of ministry activity and there's a lot going on. And it tells us this, that early the next morning that Jesus left the house and he went to a solitary place to pray. Later in Jesus' ministry, Jesus withdraws. He goes up onto the top of the mountain and he spends all night on the mountain praying. And so Jesus understood this importance of stepping aside, getting out of the busyness of the day because if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And he knows that he's got to get out of the busyness of the day to be able to spend time talking with the Father, sharing his heart with the Father and, and allowing the Father to share his heart with him. Prayer has to be something that is not performance. It has to be something that is profoundly personal. That's the reason why I I love this. I love the fact that Jesus prayed a simplistic prayer, right? Here's what it says in Matthew 6, 7. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard through their many words. When I was a when I was a youth pastor, it uh, it was uh, it was interesting to try to navigate our teens on their spiritual journey. 
And one of the tough things about navigating, helping teens navigate their, their spiritual journey is uh, they see the goofiness that happens in church that adults won't talk about, but teens have no problem making fun of. Right? You know, you, 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 have, you have Bill. Bill's a super nice guy. Uh, Bill loves people and Bill loves the Lord. Right? Bill grew up in the country. Uh, Bill's not a highly educated man, uh, but he is, he's tender. And Bill, if you talk to Bill, Bill's going to tell you he's fixing to go fishing. Right? And or he's got a hankering for, 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 for some good uh, chicken and waffles. That's just, that's just Bill. Right? And Bill's just a good old boy that everybody can relate to. When Bill is asked to pray, Oh, almighty and omnipotent heavenly Father, who hears all of our, who hears all of our hearts cries and knowest us more than we knowest ourselves. Why does Bill suddenly start praying in a language that has not been used since 1633? Right? And as adults, we won't say anything as he says, Lord, 42 times in a two-minute prayer. And Lord, I love you, Lord. And Lord, I just, Lord, I know that Lord... Lord, you are Lord, you are Lord, Lord, Lord. Let me tell you what teenagers do. Okay? They start counting. They get, they get polls going. Hey, what's the over-under on how many times Bill says Lord today? And why is that? It's because we, we're, we're pressured. Listen. Walk into a church service and, and have the pastor go, hey, would you stand and pray? Uh, oh my goodness. Um, um, uh, right? <laughs> Listen, uh, I have no idea what that is. Um, listen to, actually, I, I, do, I do know what I think that is. They will take care of it. Um, Listen to Jesus' prayers. Are you ready? Jesus is about to be crucified. And here's what he says. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Right? I mean, this is a, this is a significant moment in history. Right? This is a, this is a moment of destiny. Everyone in the crowd is fixed on Jesus. This is being recorded for all of eternity to know. And in this very public, very charged environment, Jesus demonstrates this model of prayer. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Really? That's it? That's it. So, let me just, let me just talk to you just personally about me for a while. People, when, when people are around me, they, they get surprised uh, when we go out for dinner and they say, Pastor, would you pray? And this is my prayer. God, thank you for this food. Amen. Like, what? That's it? We invited the pastor to dinner. We expected a better prayer than that. Come on. 
You're supposed to be a communicator, an orator. Give us a, give us a heavenly father. Give us a thou art. Give us something. And yet, what Jesus modeled is this. Jesus modeled an intimacy in prayer. He, he often withdrew to a, to a private place to prayer. Jesus prays sincerely. Right? And he even tells us this when he, when, he, when he instructs us on prayer in Matthew 6. He says, listen, the heathens think that they will be heard through their many words. I, I, don't, I don't have to impress God with my words. God loves you. God's crazy about you. He wants a relationship with you. You don't have to convince him. And, and when we understand that and we can step back from these performance-oriented prayers and we understand the ability to talk with God on a very real level, something powerful happens. Let me tell you about my, my devotional life. My devotional life is this. I journal my prayers every day. I go like this, like I'm writing them. I don't write them. I don't write them because I've heard it said that the more intelligent you are, the worse your handwriting is. And if, if you base it on my handwriting, I am seriously brilliant um, because I can't read my own handwriting. And so I actually, I, 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 I sit with my laptop and I just, I, I type. And, and here's how I, I do this every day. And I start with this, yesterday. And I just talk to God about yesterday and I, and I, and I write about the good things and the bad. I, I write about the, the, the blessings and the hardships. I, I write about the, the victories that I've experienced and, and, the, and, the, and the failures that I've been a part of. And I just, I just share my heart with God. And sometimes yesterday is, is one or two sentences. Sometimes it's two or three pages. And, and it doesn't have to be a certain amount. It's just it's, it's, it's whatever is in my heart to talk with God. And then... I'll stop. And I just let God speak to me about yesterday. And sometimes in the midst of that, he, he coaches me through my mistakes. Sometimes he offers a loving rebuke. Sometimes it's, a, it's an encouragement. And then I'll write today. God, here's... Here's what's on my heart for today. And again, sometimes it'll just be one or two sentences. Most of the time, it's a, it's a decent amount. Sometimes it's very lengthy. And I just, I just share what's, what's in my heart, what's on my mind with God. And I stop. And it is, it is rare the moment that that I don't sense God speaking directly to my heart, directly to my spirit about, about my today. I don't think I've ever prayed a public prayer, one of those expected prayers, right, over a meal or something like that, where I feel like I've gotten a response from God. Have you? Why? Because... That prayer is more performance than it is genuine petition. And I'm not saying that to judge. I'm just talking very practically to you now, church, right? Can I, can I offer you this? I've prayed a lot of nighttime prayers that I didn't sense any response from God. Right? 
Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray to the Lord my soul to keep. Right? And, and it's, it's, it's a prayer that I do because I know that I have to pray before I go to bed. But here's what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a perfunctory prayer. It's a, it's a performance prayer. I think my heart's right. So in that, there's some sincerity to it. But it, it really, it's about, it's about saying the prayer because I, I know it's a spiritual discipline that I'm supposed to have. It's not about having a genuine connection with the God who loves me, created me, redeems me and, and stands at the door of my heart and knocks. He stands at the door of my heart and knocks. When, when someone comes to my door and they knock, there's an anticipation of connection. And, 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 and prayer needs to be more than that. Here's what I have found. I have found this. When when I can talk with people and we can get beyond the, the religious and the Christian pleasantries and, and really talk about uh, the realities of, of navigating the spiritual journey, most people acknowledge that they struggle in their prayer life. And here's how I want to help you. One of the big reasons why, why we struggle in our prayer life is because we've reduced prayer to performance. Right? We've reduced prayer to performance. Our, our public prayers we do because we know that we're potentially going to be judged, uh, not by God, but by others, right? Our, our private prayers, because we've never really engaged God on this intimate level in prayer, we engage them on an intimate level in worship, right? But oftentimes not so much in prayer that even our private prayers become somewhat awkward. And so what it does is it makes, it makes prayer life hard. It makes prayer life difficult. See, Jesus often withdrew to a solitary place to pray because he had he had a firm understanding of, of how in that midst of challenge, in that midst of difficulty, how it brings a very real connection with the Heavenly Father. And, and, and that, that's, what, that's what prayer is all about. Prayer is an amazing thing that God has given us. The ability to connect individually with God on a personal, on an intimate level. But that, that won't happen until we change the way that we pray. That's the reason why Jesus said this. He said, and when you pray, pray in this fashion. Our, our Father, and, and, and when he did that, what does he use? He uses an affirming expression of Father, 
Abba. But it's, it's also an intimate expression of Father. It, it, it speaks to, to how the tenor of that conversation is, is supposed to go. When, when, when Jesus says to us to go to the Father and say, Abba, he's not talking about being um, disrespectful. He, he's, not, he's not talking about um, being overly casual. He, he's talking about being deeply connected. And, and here's, what, here's what we find about, about Jesus. Jesus prayed strategically. Right? He, he, he tells us that we can pray strategically. God, let, let the design that you have for my life, let that be made manifest. Because God, I'm not nearly as smart as you are. Uh, and I know that your plan for me is a good plan. So God, I, I stay in awe of who you are. I'm, I'm amazed by what you do. And so God, while I come to you with my ideas, while, while I come to you with my desires and my dreams, um, God, I know that, you, that, that you know better and you've got an ultimately better plan than me. So God, I thank you that I can talk to you about what I want. But God, don't just give me what I want. Help me to understand what you want. Yes. Right? I mean, that's what he's saying when he says, he says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. In my life, God, where I'm standing right now, let, let what you want, let that happen in my life just, just, just as it is in heaven. Now, here's what I love, okay? Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here's what I love about the idea of heaven, about the understanding of heaven. Heaven is perfect, Heaven is without fault. Heaven is without blemish. So God, just as, just as your design has worked out perfectly in heaven, God, I want to experience that same thing in my life. I want to experience that same thing in my day. See, when we, when we come to understand this prayer and we understand the prayer posture in the right way, what happens is this, is it brings all kinds of new energy to Biblical principles like if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Let me talk to you very personally, very practically about what I believe as the pastor of this church. I believe this. I believe that God in a very wonderful, loving, gracious way has broken the pride that was over Calvary for many years. I honestly believe that. And I love the church that we are and the church that we're becoming. If, if you are new to Calvary, if, this is your, if you're here for the first time or the first time in a long time, you have come to Calvary in an amazing season because what God is doing here is unprecedented. It, it really is. 
Uh, what we're seeing, just lives change, people impacted, the, the, the expression of God in a significant way. It's exciting to see, and I love it. I love coming to church. I, I, I cannot wait for Sundays. Uh, and, and, and so I, I, I appreciate that. And, and, I, and I see that, that we, we are a church that, uh, man, we're not, we're, not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not big on who we are, okay? We, 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 you know, we, we champion the fame of Jesus, not our fame. Amen. Amen. Uh, the, the next part in this journey that God has for us as a church is, is really grasping this in a, in a profound yet practical way, grasping this issue of prayer. And, and really being, God says this, he says, my house shall be a house of prayer. My, my people shall be people of prayer. And so coming to an understanding of, of what that means to have this, this communication, this conversation with God. It's, a, it's something that, that is profoundly personal, right? Jesus demonstrated that. He often withdrew and spent time alone talking to God and letting God talk to him. He, he demonstrated a, a prayer of sincerity, not a prayer of performance. He, he, he prays strategically. God, I want to make sure that what I'm doing is landing right in the middle of your plan. And the last thing that we see is this, and we see this over and over again, not just in the, in the prayer model that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 6, but we see this over and over again uh, all throughout biblical history uh, when, when Jesus prays and when God's people pray and we see the hand of God move, they are praying specifically. And here's what I find. I find this. That if we're not careful, we can find ourselves drifting into philosophical prayers and we can find ourselves drifting into philosophical prayers because philosophical prayers, there's, there's no pressure for something to happen in response to that prayer. When you pray for someone to experience God's healing, As they're dealing with a specific health condition, uh, there's some specificity to that prayer, right? And, 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 and you can, to some degree, you can gauge whether there's response to that prayer. When you pray for a restoration of a, of a, of a relationship, you, you can see how that's going, right? When, when you pray for favor, when you pray for direction in, 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 your, in your vocation, you can, you, can, you can see that there's evidence of the hands, hand of God. And so what happens is this, is oftentimes we'll, we will shy away from, we'll shy away from praying specific prayers. And I think we do that for a couple of reasons. I think number one, um, we're afraid of what will we do in our faith journey if God doesn't show up. Um, the, the bigger thing than that, especially if we're praying for others, Being very honest, very transparent. The idea of praying for somebody for healing and them not being healed. Okay? Well, I know there's nothing wrong, wrong with God, so it must be that I'm not a very good prayer. So if I pray for you for healing and you're not healed, is it because I don't walk in the same anointing that she walks in? Or do I, right? And so it's a whole lot easier to, to offer these um, 
these, these, these prayers that have built-in uh, exit strategies. Right? Um, I don't see anywhere when anyone prayed for healing in Scripture where they prayed and they said this, God, I pray that Mark is healed if it be your will. I don't have to explain to God, God, do this if it's your will. Okay? Here's what I can say. God, here's where I'm at. I'm having a bad day and I am freaking out. And so I'm just asking God that you would do something just huge in this moment. Just show up in a big way. Right? It, those types of prayers should not happen in our life just when we're at the place of desperation. It should be the way that we pray on a regular basis. And, and when we do that, what happens is this is prayer becomes something that is woven into the fabric of our being. Right? It's, it's, part, of our, it's part of our core. I, uh, tomorrow afternoon, uh, I've, uh, I have to, 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 uh, to fly to Missouri. And I'm gone. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, I get back Wednesday. Jody uh, has meetings that start on Wednesday and she's gone Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. She'll get home late in the day on Saturday. The idea of being separated from my wife from Monday to Saturday, you know what, that's, that's heart-wrenching for me. Especially Friday's my birthday. My wife's not going to spend time with me on my birthday. Thank you. Thank you for feeling so upset for me. And, and we'll, we'll talk to one another, you know. We'll talk on the phone. We'll, we'll text one another. But it, it's not the same of being able to sit down and to talk with her and to be able to talk about my day, right? And, um, and I... I recognize that something's missing when I don't have that in my life. It speaks to the, it speaks to the intimacy of our relationship. I think the same thing should be said about our relationship with God. Right? A few years ago, the gospel recording artist, Larnell Harris, he, he recorded this song. And I'm going to close with this. He, um, he recorded this song and, and it said this. I, I, and it, it's, it's, it, it's, it's Jesus talking to him. And, uh, and it says this. I miss my time with you. Those moments together. I, I long to be with you, you each day. And it hurts me when you say that you're too busy, busy trying to serve me. But how can you serve me when your spirit's weary? I miss 
my time with you. Bill Hybels wrote a great book on prayer that if you've not read it, I encourage you to get it and read it. It's a book that's entitled Too Busy Not to Pray. Phenomenal book. I've never met a Christ follower. I've never met a seeker who would say, oh, don't want to pray. Yep, not into prayer. Nope. <laughs> want to be a Christian? Want to do all that? Duh, prayer, duh, no. And yet, if we were going to be honest with one another, confession is good for the soul, if we were going to be honest with one another, the overwhelming majority of us sitting here, our prayer expression, our prayer life is not near where it needs to be. And, and even, even when you hear a message about prayer, there's a little bit of conviction, but there's also a little bit of pressure and you go, man, I, I know I need to pray more, but... Isn't that interesting? I know I need to pray more, but... And God's brought you here today, sir, ma'am. God's brought you here today to let you know this, that prayer is not designed to be and should not be a burden. That what prayer is, prayer is a gift that God has given you. And, and let me go a step further. Let me, on behalf of the church, not Calvary, but the church, let me apologize to you for the fact that the church has taught and modeled prayer wrong. And we have taught you and we have modeled to you that prayer is performance. We have, we have modeled to you that prayer is formulaic. We have modeled to you that prayer is a spiritual discipline that you need to do. I'm, uh, I'm in the midst of a, a, a master's degree program and, and in it, it talks about prayer as one of the spiritual disciplines. And I, I understand that, but there's a side of me that I, I, I chafe over the idea of prayer being referred to as a discipline because I don't think that prayer needs to be a discipline. I think it's designed to be a delight. So let, let me apologize to you that the church has, has, has demonstrated to you and taught you prayer in a, in, in a way that makes it a duty. Rather than a gift. I, I, don't, feel it's a, I don't feel it's a duty to have to talk to my wife. My... Uh, my kids came over yesterday uh, to celebrate my birthday. Because again, did I mention to you that I'm going to be alone on my birthday? Um, and I, I cherish the opportunities that I have to spend time with my, spend time with my children and, and to talk to them. And you know what I've discovered is this. It doesn't matter what topic my children want to talk about. I'm in. Those of you that have, that have you know, children, school age and above, is that not true? That it doesn't matter what your children want to talk about, the fact that they want to talk to you, doesn't that brighten your day? Doesn't that put a smile on your face? 
Do you understand that that's the character of your heavenly father? He's, he's, not, he's not made weary when you come to him with a concern. He's not, he, he's not uh, overly uh, taxed when you come to him with a lament. He also, he loves to rejoice with you. It, it, it's, it's time that we reposition ourselves as it relates to prayer. For some of us, for many of us today, here's where that starts. It starts with a confession. It doesn't have to be flowery. It doesn't have to be dramatic. God, I realize I've been way off on this prayer thing. I've made it a lot harder than what it is. And because I've made it hard, I've pushed it to the background of my life. But God, you are so important to me that I want, I want talking to you. I want it to be at the forefront of who I am. And I want it to be at the forefront of what I do. So God, I, I confess that I've not been good about talking to you on a regular basis. And I'm coming to you because I, I know I can't fix it on my own. So I'm coming to you and, and I'm giving this to you and I'm, I'm saying, God, help me to be better at, at talking to you and, and taking time to, to let you respond back to me. Because I want our relationship to grow. I, I want you to know what's in my heart. I want you to know what's going on in my life. I want you to hear it from me and I want to give you the opportunity to talk, talk to me about it. So God, I'm, I'm not coming to you today with another prayer formula, with another prayer journey, with another prayer book, with another prayer plan. I'm just coming to you. I'm saying, help me. Help me, God, to talk to you and to hear from you. There are great resources out there. There are things that can help you to, 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 to foster this intimacy. But that's where it starts. 